0: Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Editor Chris Cloud to talk about potential housing legislation and regulation in this election year and what we might expect. First, a big thank you to Truve, our podcast sponsor, for making this episode possible. Chris, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me back, Sarah. Appreciate it.
0: Great to have you on as always. Uh, you've been doing a lot of reporting on what we call the federal beat, right? Like what's happening in DC, whether that's regulators or agencies or um, the government itself. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what you're seeing kind of bubbling up there because it, it feels like there there might be a sea change here.
1: Yeah. And uh, the sea change is in the form of what's coming down the pike in November, which of course is a, a high profile uh, general election that it will include uh, electing the next president of the United States so since we're into 2024 now uh, a lot more eyes are on the political land even though it seems like there's always a lot of eyes on the political landscape people are going to be hyper focused now uh, and it's kind of full steam ahead until November it seems like the season is getting an earlier start this time compared to some some prior election cycles but when it comes to housing, the the biggest uh, pieces of news that seem to have emerged are really related to the attitudes of lawmakers and what they're hearing from their constituents. Uh, back at the beginning of February, I I published a report about how the House of Representatives had passed a bipartisan tax bill, kind of a rarity these days when it comes to legislation. But it was a bipartisan tax bill that included an expansion of the low income housing tax credit program. Uh, The MBA and the NHC both lauded the move and kind of followed up on um, interviews that I conducted with officials from both of those organizations, uh, where they expressed affordability needing to be a a front and center priority for not just the housing industry, but also policymakers in, in 2024. It's hard to say exactly what the attitudes are going to be for bipartisan legislation going forward, just because... You know, I think it was uh, David Dworkin who told me we're lucky if we get four. No, it was, it, it was Bob Brooksmith who told me we're lucky if we get four months of real work out of uh, out of an election year. Uh, and it's it's pretty easy to see why. But there was also a report a- around that time that was uh, published in Politico where lawmakers seem to be acutely aware of the uh the impetus that voters would be placing on them to actually get something done in the realm of affordable housing and housing uh, overall um it was uh, th- there have been more calls for legislative action on housing affordability uh, that's according to senator ron wyden who spoke to politico who's also chairman of the Senate finance committee. And he said that uh, lawmakers are being his words besieged by calls from particularly employers who are desperately seeking housing for their workers. Uh, Senator Mike rounds out of South Dakota said that housing comes up every time that they're at home and when they hear from their constituents. And it's one of the reasons why they're trying to, to move some things forward. But at the same time too, uh, you know voters are going to be they're they're going to expect lawmakers to do something on housing even though practically speaking they don't have a lot of control over things like a lack of supply or maybe local zoning laws that could restrict construction but there's no chance that voters are going to be at all understanding uh, of the situation that lawmakers may be in when it actually comes time to vote in November Uh, Not long afterward, we saw Senators uh, Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota and Tim Kaine of Virginia introduce uh, or reintroduce, I should say, their Housing Supply and Affordability Act into the Senate. Uh, and they want to try and establish a new grant program that would fund local government efforts to develop and implement uh, housing policy plans. And I think that stems from the pressure that a lot of lawmakers are feeling to respond on this issue. Uh, housing affordability is a serious problem for for a lot of people in multiple income brackets. It's not even that isolated to lower and middle income people. Some higher income people are also feeling a pinch when it comes to uh, housing, taking a chunk out of their monthly uh, income. So lawmakers are certainly feeling pressure. How it all comes together in the election is anybody's guess. Uh, both the House and the Senator in play. Uh, one is probably more likely to flip than the other. And then of course there's uh, there's the White House, and we've heard quite recently from uh, the Department of Housing and Urban Development trying to tout their accomplishments in the realms of affordable housing recently. So we'll see how much of an impact housing is going to have on the electability of these officials later in the year, but it certainly seems like more of them are paying attention.
0: I think that's really interesting. You know, on the on the presidential level, housing is definitely, you know, the two approaches taken by, um, it, I mean, it looks likely that, uh, the former president, Donald Trump and the current president, Joe Biden are going to be the two people facing off. Right. So voters pretty much know what to expect when it comes to housing from, from them. But I do think that, you know, there is this, um, you know, how, how much does it bubble up from the local level to those, you know, legislators? It's something that, um, Logan and I have been talking about because, you know, when it comes to the economy, how most people interpret that is like, what are they paying at the gas pump? What are they paying for food? And where are interest rates? So especially if you are trying to buy a house, if you're in a house and you've got your 3.5 or whatever it is, you're happy and that that's not the case. But you might also have a kid who's trying or a relative who's trying or a neighbor, or maybe you need to sell and now you're you're going to be, you know, on the hook for those um, higher rates, so we do know that that's what that's what really resonates with consumers is the interest rate, and yet it's one of the hardest things to influence because you know it's not something you know there are market forces, there's the Fed, none of that is governed by the legislators, right? That they or even the president. I mean, he could he could um, make a change at at the Fed, but other than that, it's it's a pretty independent body, and so all of those things are kind of out of the control of anybody to really change.
1: That's true. Uh, But at the same time, too, when it comes to just participating in our democracy, everybody is going to be most focused on their own individualized circumstances. And I think it's uh, it's within a lot of voters expectations for lawmakers to at least appear like they're addressing the issue. Uh, If if you go home in your district, if you're a congressman and you say, well, look, there's nothing that we can really do then there's a pretty good chance that, um, that voters might uh, not react well to that. And not only will voters not react particularly well to it, but political opponents might seize on that. And uh you know, rightfully or wrongfully try and uh, offer up alternative solutions that the incumbent lawmaker isn't uh, isn't presenting as a possibility. So there's a strategic element to it as well uh, when it comes to determining the outcome of an election. but I think it's also just a matter of uh, what kind of like what you said, what people are seeing in their own backyards, they're gonna be impacted by how much money is going out related to housing and that could also include, tax expenditures. I know, uh, there are a lot of people across the country who are really concerned about, uh, increases in property taxes, particularly in some of the higher value markets, but, um, you know, it's also, uh, a matter of, uh, at least appearing to your constituents, like you have your finger on the pulse and, uh, and also not giving your, your political opponents, uh, a, a, an avenue to try and take your job from you. Right. it's, It's funny how all those things come together, but housing encompasses so much. And it also encompasses things like policy related to unhoused individuals. There are a lot of urban areas across the country that are uh, struggling with how to manage their homeless populations. And that falls under the umbrella too. Uh, And uh, if a lawmaker is trying to push forward some sort of affordable housing legislation that they say is going to be able to address these problems, then uh, we'll we'll just have to see how voters react to it uh, in, in November. It's going to be a, an interesting cycle, particularly for housing. And you're right, you know, on the presidential side, it's kind of unique just because, yes, we are poised for a rematch. Things could change at the last minute, of course, but things are looking pretty good, like we're going to be getting a rematch from what we had in November of 2020. And on the housing side, there are, uh, you know, very specific and corroborated policies that have been put in place by both the Biden and the Trump administrations uh, about what their approaches are and what worked and what didn't work. And uh, so it's interesting for people like us who pay attention to housing policy to see, well, what might the differences be if the election goes one way or another? But uh, we are poised for quite an election year, it seems, even on just the housing policy front and certainly on the affordability front.
0: I mean, normally, uh, you know, I would be in, in our newsroom would be, you know, listening to the debates, you know, if we're, we're in primary season. So it's like, you know, which candidates think what and will housing even come up? I mean, I, I can't tell you how many years, you know, you, you sit through the entire debate. It was like housing was not mentioned one time, right? Um, that is not the case now. And and obviously, I mean, we don't even have primaries to really, you know, listen in on or debates that really mean anything. So um, I think that that's really interesting. But you know, to your earlier point about what levers that that people in DC can pull for housing, I thought the tax um, legislation was really interesting. It was, you know, mostly for renters, right? It's like affordable housing for renters very important and important if you're a person who employs people and like they can't find anything uh, to to rent. But also, I think your point about property taxes is spot on. I really feel like this is going to be a huge issue. Because it's, this is something the federal government can do something about. It's tricky. It's hard to figure this out, right? Because they don't control par- property taxes. But you know, the whole the whole um, thing is, you know, uh, homeowners insurance. That's something that they, you know, that there's a lot of call for. Like the federal government needs to do something about homeowners insurance, as we see insurance providers leaving, you know, California and Florida, or or not taking any new people, or just you know, increasing the cost of your insurance by 3 to 4 to 5 times and like what the, what that's going to do and i feel like that is a pressure point that is absolutely something that the federal government could step in and do even though it's it's difficult to see exactly what that would be
1: yeah exactly and i mean they're their avenues are going to be a little bit limited, especially, you know, with taxes, it's that encompasses multiple jurisdictions, you know, Um, property taxes are going to be primarily County based from what I understand, but still uh, if there are additional incentive programs or assistance programs, uh, then that could affect uh, the final amount that people pay in property taxes, of course, but it's certainly on the minds of a lot of people and elected officials are going to have to indicate that they are paying attention to these pain points if they're interested in running for re-election. Certainly, um, and you know there there's arguably an opportunity for some new folks to come into the fold too uh, to seize on some of the uh, discontent that certain voters have in different parts of the country uh, to try and gain elected office. So. Yeah, there's just so many dynamics. I'm certainly going to be hoping that when we do get to a point where more substantive debates will be required, that housing policy is going to uh, take up more than just a couple of sentences. Knock on wood, and I'm not expecting miracles. But uh, even you know, platform positions that are on candidate websites don't often include detailed housing provisions, and that's something that might need to evolve as time goes on. So yeah, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on on how these dynamics continue to play out, and whether or not lawmakers are going to try and get some uh, some additional housing policy work done uh, in the months leading up to the general election. It's nine months away, a little under nine months, which seems kind of far, but it'll be here before we know it. It always is.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I think some of the biggest things uh, that affect housing aren't always, you know. On, on a platform. So, you know, how do how do they feel, fair, feel about fair lending? Uh, to what extent are they going to look at, you know, um, some of the fair housing policies and would they roll back this? Would they have an active CFPB? Would they um, have a, you know, a, a quieter CFPB? Those kind of things um, they're not going to announce on their websites in any way, but we kind of know what to expect, right, from the different... Um, From the different administrations. And then I think about um, something the Biden administration has been really focused on is that housing affordability, sort of like, you know, looking at appraisals, looking at title, looking at um, different fees, looking at, I mean, uh, from all, all of the things that they could control, they're trying to figure out, you know, what that looks like. And, and you do think that that's probably a pretty big push that I did not see with the Trump administration.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, the CFPB is another core aspect that might look totally differently by the time the next administration is sworn in uh, in January, because there is a pending case before the U.S. Supreme Court that will decide uh, the fate of the funding structure of the CFPB, which could uh, existentially change the, the the posture of that agency Uh, So that's another thing. I mean, they're going to have to determine what their policies are going to be after that uh, decision is handed down, which we expect reasonably soon, I think within the next one to two months. Um, So that's another dynamic that's certainly in play. And the CFPB has had such an outsized role in uh, regulating the housing industry that depending on the way that decision goes down, uh, we could see some pretty fundamental reorganizations you know, if there's a power vacuum that's created by uh, the, the, the loss of the agency, or at least the effective loss of the agency, then that's going to be a transformative component. Or if everything stays in place, then are they going to get more bullish with their regulatory posture, presuming the president is reelected? Uh, there's, there's a lot of dynamics to, to keep in play and a lot to observe uh, relevant to, to the housing industry, most definitely.
0: That's such a great point. Um, You know, we talk about a a muscular CFPB, right, and uh, how that, you know, we felt like, um, obviously, in the Obama administration, and, you know, obviously, the great financial crisis, you know, spawned the CFPB uh, with the Dodd-Frank laws and all of that. So, you know, they came out swinging, had a lot of things. And then and then it's not like uh, the CFPB under Trump didn't do anything. That's not true. But it was a, a different sort of policy stance, right, and which you would expect under a Republican administration. And then you know, with uh, under the Biden administration, um, they have they've had specific things. But one thing about the Biden administration is they've brought in other agencies too. They've done you know the whole task force on appraisal bias. And what was interesting about that is you're bringing people to the table to talk about appraisals that maybe haven't been you know uh, front and center on that before. And you know, anytime whatever the fate of the CFPB is there are other agencies that could step in and and did regulate the the mortgage industry before the CFPB was in place so it you know it's sort of like you know the the names and faces could change but it's not like that's going away
1: yeah definitely and i mean this the biden administration generally has had a uh, a fair amount of focus on housing even in you know i'm the editor of reverse mortgage daily as well the the reverse side of the industry has had an, uh, a level of, of attention from federal government housing leaders that it is unaccustomed to. You know, at the last big reverse mortgage annual meeting there, the, they had both the FHA commissioner and the president of Ginnie Mae speak to assembled reverse mortgage professionals. And I think that that's a bit of a microcosm about how much housing uh, is the focus of some of these uh, larger players in the administration And we've certainly seen, uh, you know, executive orders on housing and uh, beefy regulatory posture from agencies, not just the CFPB, but FHA and the FHFA, of course. Uh, So the fact that housing has additional attention, you know, these the the professionals that we serve on a regular basis, they're noticing. And uh, in some respects, uh, you know, the the attention is warranted and welcomed. And in other respects, maybe not so much. So these are also dynamics that I think are going to come into play uh, over the next several months. And we'll have to see how much of this proposed legislation ultimately does make it through their specific committee assignments uh, and and to progress to either the the floor of the House or the Senate. But um, just a lot of political dynamics in play, you know, in politics, even though we are in an election year, doesn't stop. Uh, and we've certainly observed a lot of big swings, uh, from the, the federal side of things, certainly, and even, uh, on the state side of things in certain areas, but it's, uh, it's definitely going to be dialed up a lot, particularly if voters are asking, uh, their, their lawmakers, you know, and I I forgive the phrase, but where's the beef, you know, they're going to be really curious about, uh, where the, uh, where the track record is and where things have gone and and how they have worked to try and make housing a more achievable goal for the constituencies.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When tr- Trump was a, a one-term uh, president, we have this administration that, you know, you never know if you're going to be back in or not. So do they you know, double down on some of the housing initiatives they had throughout the thing saying, you know, hey, we got to get this through because we're not sure we're going to be back or we want to get this through and and that's going to help us in the, you know, get reelected or whatever. And so, you know, you think about um, some of the student loan forgiveness that the Biden administration has under- undertaken. That affects housing in a, in a tangential way, right? Um, may not show up on the housing platform, but just the whole idea of consumer debt, uh, making the consumers um, more whole, making them, you know, put putting them in a better spot. Um, there is some debate on like how much that helps homeowners versus people who rent, and you know it depends on on who you're going to grant that forgiveness to. But that's a that's an example of something. You know, the Biden administration came in super heavy about giving. Um, you know, providing down payment assistance at the closing table to people who were first generation homebuyers. It generated a ton of interest and controversy at the time. Um, That's, you know, we haven't heard anything about that in three years. Uh, I think because it was so like, how do you get that passed? But also how do you administer it? How do you make that happen um, in this situation? And uh, so I think it's interesting you know, circling back to the story that you did about the um, legislation, you know, where they're incentivizing the local local areas to boost their housing supply. That to me feels like something that is substantive in the sense of like, if you're incentivizing people, if you're giving them a reason to do it, right, you're providing the money. And I think what they're doing is really um, trying to provide some of the some of the back end admin, too. Right. Like, here's how you can do this. Here's here's the ways that you can do this. Um, that to me seems like it would have a better chance of surviving and passing and actually being implemented than something like, for instance, the president had you know, promoted the first generation tax credit, which it, it just, I think it was sort of dead in the water after a couple of months, even though it got tons of press because there's just no way to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, uh, the fact that the control dynamics in, in the legislative branch changed uh, in 20, after the 2022 midterms certainly counts for a lot. Uh, when President Biden came into office, Congress was pretty narrowly divided, but certainly not to the level that it is right now. And uh, the problem, I guess, just in terms of trying to guess whether or not the, uh, the, the supply bill will be passed, it is right now, it, it does seem to only have buy-in from Democrats. It was introduced by Senator Amy Klobuchar with Tim Kaine as a co-sponsor. They're both members of the, the Democratic caucus in, in the Senate, which is the caucus in control. But because Congress is so narrowly divided, particularly in the House... Uh, That makes it way more difficult to try and and pass legislation that really only has buy-in from one side of the aisle. So hopefully uh, we'll start to see some instances where more lawmakers are coming to the table because under the the current uh, division between the parties in in both houses of Congress – it's really challenging to get anything done, even some basic legislation, just to keep what I call the government's plumbing running. You know, they they can't even agree really on that. So uh, hopefully we'll start to see some additional uh, compromises, especially once they realize that, and this is idealized, I, I, I grant you completely, but hopefully they will see that maybe if we work together to get some of these non-controversial housing policies done, we can then take that back to our constituents and show them, yes, we can work together and we can get some housing policy through.
0: Chris, I am all here for the positive, optimistic look at what could be done in Washington because if we can't even imagine it, how will it come true, right? If we can't even think that this is a possibility. I'm like, I believe that housing (laughs) could be what unites people across the IRS I'll at least in this very limited way, because to your point, it doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, you are hearing it from your constituents that they don't have enough supply. There's not anything to buy. They can't afford it. And so this is something that they could do. So I am for it. Let's let's uh, let's just put that out there in the universe. Yes. Housing can well, be bang the
1: drum. Hit. Yes.
0: Bang the drum. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for giving us this update. Um, Next time, I'm sure we'll talk again about the reverse space. You do both of these uh, beats for us. They're both super interesting. So uh, we will check back soon, but thanks for being on.
1: My pleasure, Sarah. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening and thank you to our sponsor, Truth. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.